I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Welcome back to Align Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. In today's tremendous episode, you got to have my friend, Mr. Matt Vincent. Matt is a world champion Highland Games athlete. What the hell are the Highland Games? That is the super freakish, strong folks wearing the kilts out in, I think, Scotland? Scotland? Ireland? Scotland? Uh, I think Scotland. Shit. That's embarrassing. Um, anyways, fellas wearing the kilts, picking up rocks and flipping poles and uh, swinging chains and pretty rad stuff. He is or was the best in the world at doing that stuff. So really cool conversation we get into his philosophies around training, around eating, around life in general, um, get into what the heck the Highland Games are in the first place and the history is really interesting. Um, really great conversation. I hope you guys enjoy. Here's a little clip. And so this was a way to train for war without training with a sword. Cool. Yeah. Thank you so much for tuning in to the website, aligntherapy.com. If you were drawn to that URL, you will be able to start the five-day movement challenge, which breaks down five basic fundamental principles that you should already be doing anyway, but probably the highest percentage of people are not. And uh, super simple, pretty fun. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that. Also, you can get show notes for this and the rest of the episodes. Um... I think we should just start this thing. I got back from New York City last week, and we scored a pretty amazing publishing deal. So we are going to be writing the Align Method book here in the next in the coming year. So stay tuned for that. I'm posting up stories about that on the old Instagrams at Align Podcast, also at Align Band. We post uh, videos and informative stories on the daily about how to mobilize and uh, make that body of yours work more fantastically. So that's what we got. Thanks so much for reviews on iTunes. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for sharing this with your friends. If you find it beneficial to your life, that is how we spread this podcast. Teamwork. Um, if you guys want to conversate with each other and myself, we just started a Facebook group called Align Tribe, A-L-I-G-N Tribe. So look that thing up and uh, we will get you in there. And I would love to have some conversation. We'll start doing some videos and Q&A and stuff like that there. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in. Here we go back to the show with Mr. Matt Vincent. Also, you can jump over to his podcast, UMSO, U-M-S-O, and uh, the last episode was with me. So we went both ways on this one. Hope you enjoy that. Hope you enjoy this. Hope you uh, are having a great day. All right. Enjoy. Pow. Align podcast. I'm just defending the the hey, little the little pudding right thing, on. I guess. Yeah, I'm sure the pudding's great. <laughs> it's good um, pudding. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it's awesome. <laughs> I have no doubt that it tastes delicious and probably isn't bad for you in any way, shape, or form. These are just, I'm not a man who does moderation well. Hmm. So I'm much better at saying... Here's the rules. Don't fucking do that. Interesting. And so that makes way more sense to me than saying like, oh, you can have 40 grams of carbs today. Like, nah, I'm going to fuck that up. Yeah. Just easier to avoid them. Did that relate to your Highland game training? Was there any kind of... Um, no, the, the Highland game training, I mean, 
you know, the gas pedal was down for sure, right? Trying to trying to be very good at it. And I, I loved the training, but it was never so much that it shaped or defined my whole world. It was a thing that I did and I liked to do and I had the time to do it. When I didn't have time to do it or train as hard, I didn't. It wasn't like, I wasn't a fucking dude bringing Tupperware to dinner. I wasn't a dude missing out on things or experiences with friends because I had to go train. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, those those were always the things that were more important to me than the, the throwing or training. Throwing and training and getting good at the Highland Games opened the door to getting to travel and hang out with my friends around the world. Right. So that was that was just the vehicle that got me to the place. Yeah. What was the, the schedule like for you? Um training schedule. Training schedule is uh I would lift and or throw uh four or five days a week. So if I'm not competing uh, it would be early season would be a four day lift, three day throw. And so some of those would be on the same day. Usually Wednesday was an off day that I wouldn't do either. And then, so Monday would be bench squat. Um, and then some accessory work, depending on where I was jacked or needed, needed some help. And then I would go throw for an hour hmm. and then Tuesday would be overhead press, uh, and deadlift. And then accessory work and then go throw for an hour, you know, pick some different events. So if I did a hammer, a stone and a weight, and then the next day I did a hammer, a stone and a weight. And then, you know, day three would be more bounding, sprinting type stuff like that and the throw. And then Friday would just be Olympic lifting. Mm. The history of the Highland Games. That's mm-hmm. something that you probably are I'm super savvy of, yeah, with yeah, at yeah. this point. So you're 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 setting off on potentially. Is it, is it OK to talk yeah, about sure. that? Yeah, yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah. So. The what is the history of that thing? So the it's Highland Games started because they, uh, as England had taken over uh, Scotland, right, and um, they had everything split into clans and kind of more tribal dis- you know situation in Scotland, and they took their weapons, and so they started using farm tools, whether it's a hammer or stones or the weights, which were originally calibrated for weighing uh, bundles of hay or grain or whatever else that they would sell at the market. And so these became tools that they used to train with and challenge each other into different competitions of strength and manhood. Right. And so this was a way to train for war without training with a sword. Cool. Yeah. And so that's how it came about. And so all the events have something to do with that type of thing. You've got a stone throw, you know, which is, you know, a way to defend yourself or they're moving a lot of stones. Uh, building walls and buildings and all those type of things at that time. And then you had a, a hammer, which they actually used as like a sledgehammer. And and the, you know, the equipment evolves into something that's a little bit more something you can throw. Yeah. Um, the weights, like I said, were counterbalances for the market. And uh, they looked like the old, like, um, you ever seen like the padlock weights? Mm, I think I know so what you're talking about. They're kind of rectangular, about. but have a hole in them. It's like a weird-shaped kettlebell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know uh, what you're talking about. They're they're awful to actually throw. I've done a couple contests in Scotland where they still use original equipment, and they're fucking lame compared to the good stuff that we throw. Right. Um, and then, you know, the caber. The caber kind of has a couple variations of why it was used for crossing a stream. It was used for laying up against a wall or any of these other things, but. You know, it just became, I'm sure, some 
at some point, some guy said, I think I can do this. Can you do this? Yeah. It's amazing how we, as, as humans, we end up, we just want to find something to put energy into something to concentrate on. And, and as you were showing me the little like teaser of the, of the, what do you, it's a, you're looking to do a series. What's the, what's yeah, the thought? We're, what's we're just up? trying. So we've been filming a series that uh, I've had over the last four years called a uh, drift to lift where I travel around and go meet with people and do some interviews and, and try to learn from people better at shit than I am. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, experience new places. Last year we went to Iceland and filmed quite a bit over 10 days and planned on doing some stone lifting, but you know, my knee really didn't keep up with it at that time. I was in pretty bad shape and the weather was bad. So probably worked out for the best that I wasn't able to put my hands on more of the stones I wanted to. Right. Cause I would have just got hurt. And so now as I'm feeling better and, uh, you know, life changes and shifts and stuff like that, I'm really interested in, like the manhood test and strength test that go throughout different culturals and history. And they're, they're a thing that you can kind of put yourself up against to see where you stack up. You know, that was one of the things I loved about the Highland games was some of the competitions I did in Scotland, this would be like the 750th running of this game at this place. Cool. And so some of those, they still have original stones or original weights or some of the original equipment. And so, I mean, I mean, you think about all the hands that have been on that stone you know, like you throw a field record there, that's cool. That's cool. You know what I mean? Like you, you're one of the best. You came to a place and stood up to the test. And there's the other side of it that's the travel part that I always liked. That you know, one of the stones in Iceland, really popular one, is called the Husafell. And it's this big tombstone shaped stone, uh, shaped stone, and uh, pick it up and carry it. And the story in Iceland is you carry it around this goat pen, and farmer's daughter type of thing uh you know was used as a gate to protect people from stealing sheep at some point and the farmer who owned it uh, his daughter was mad and saying why she wasn't getting the same amount of pay as her brothers and he said well as soon as you can move the gate to the pen i'll pay you better so at some point she got where she could carry the stone around the pen you know that's the that's the story right and so she got paid like she's supposed to and uh so that's been used in Iceland for a long time, and being able to carry it around the pin is called a full sturker for full strength. And they've got a handful of stones that kind of have that same idea behind them of that you know manhood test of full strength. And so I've done that stone uh, a handful of times. It's it's awful. And and part of the journey is it's not that I know that I'm at a gym here that has a stone, a mock stone. You know the Husfeld carry is an event they use in strongman. Still, they still they replicate it with like a tombstone shaped piece of metal that they can load to whatever weight they want. And for me, it's part of it is the journey going to that place to go to that thing and carry that stone around that pin. Right. And, you know, if you were able to set up a long enough time lapse, right? Like over the last hundred years, all of the strongest men in the world in the last hundred years have put their hands on that stone they all have and it's something cool when there's a you know magnetism to a thing that if you want to meet the strongest people on earth hell you can just go sit on that stone and they'll come to you hmm. it's a cool spot and so I'm, I'm curious to see where things stack up and how i am you know and how how i can play i just have always appreciated strength and i'm curious of the challenge and then try to figure out how to how to train for a thing yeah. The stone is like such a cool metaphor for whatever it is that the, yep. the stone is for an individual. Right. You know, have you, have you put any thought into what 
if it wasn't literal stones that you had been seeking out, where you would direct that energy to? Or you I mean, know, drugs is something that people, <laughs> you know, like you, you become like, I think a lot of addicts, it's like they have all this energy and they don't know where to put it and it <laughs> like gets yeah, stuck right, into right. I'm something definitely, else. I don't relax well. <laughs> uh, I'm not terribly comfortable relaxing anymore. I like being on the pedal. I have, I've got definitely a feeling in me of the clock's ticking and I don't know how long right. that has to tick, but I know that there's a finite number of ticks left. And every one that goes away, there's one less. And mm. so I want to spend those things doing things I like to do and yeah. pursuing things that are hard and pursuing challenges and, and pursuing progress, right? That's you know something we spoke a little bit about earlier, and it's the progress part of it that I'm turned on to, that you can – I couldn't do this yesterday. I can do it tomorrow Yeah. because I put in the work to get better. Yeah. Yeah. Is there uh... – so what was diet like during the, can you break down a little bit of what your diet like was, was when like I was during competing? The, the yeah. Uh, when I was competing, I, I spent five days of the week before I would travel. Uh, so I would compete like 21, 22 times a year. Yeah. And so most of that was from early May till the last weekend of September. So there'd be like five weekends in a row. And like, I've never competed and slept at my house the night before. So it's always fly out, fly out Friday, compete Saturday, compete Sunday, fly home Monday, repeat. And so when I would travel, I ate like an asshole. I just hung out with friends and ate and drank and <laughs> was merry and did all the things, right? Best, and, uh, best, best, best yeah, athlete in the best world. Best time in the world. Well, best athlete in the world as well. It's well, amazing. At, at a very, very finite set of skills. Yeah, but still. Sure. It's, it's. Yeah, yeah, which was doing the same thing the other guys we competed with were doing. I just, my skill set played well for that time whenever... I was in the sport. Yeah. And um, during the week, I would try to tighten it up, but you, you can't fucking be tight four days and then really lose for three and it be consistent. Right. You know, so in the off season, I would lose a little weight and then I knew that I would put it back on throughout the year, drinking and traveling and, and all that. And I knew what weight I wanted to be at for Worlds. And so if I didn't lose the weight before the season, I'd gain too much during. Hmm. I'd put too much on, so... Diet-wise, it, it always tried to be a more moderate carb. Um, you know, I wasn't a dude eating chicken and rice. I always just would eat chicken and hummus or chicken and broccoli or chicken and stuff like that. And, and then, you know, tons of other just bullshit food, just tons of meat and tons of, you know, even protein shakes and, and all the other stuff that meatheads do along their path. Right. Um, <clears throat> and that's just changed up a lot, you know. Uh, going back to where we were earlier with it, it's funny when you change the diet and you get into more of a place where you're having the amount of calories that you need instead of what you think it takes to get bigger. Right. Because there's a point where I think you you can still, the body doesn't work like, oh shit, I did 10,000 calories today. I didn't get 10,000 calories in nutrition. Your body will just dump most of it. And so there's a period of time during that where you shit like four or five times a day. And when you're on a better, healthier diet for what your caloric needs are, you don't do that anymore. Right. And that's a weird switch as an athlete for how I feel in my day because I'll based a lot on how well I felt. Like, man, that poop yet today? <laughs> I should probably be. I'm bound up. Yeah. You know, and so that was definitely a mental change for switching to a, a healthier or a, a 
more a diet more fit for what I'm trying to accomplish now. Yeah. Did you have much traditions around uh, like pre-competition, so like night before, or morning before, anything like that, or was it just kind of like get her no, done? No. Um, I like to keep the traditions I had were simple stuff like uh, how I got into the ring. Like so, if I was gonna have a throw for about the three seconds before I throw, that was dialed, mm. and that was variables I never had to consider. But this, the rest of the stuff, I'd never tried to make, you know, too locked in because it changed every week. I'm traveling around the world, so I'm going to be in a weird hotel. I'm going to be roomed up with another guy. I may not have eaten. I may not have had this. And those are things that I just have to, you got to be able to adjust to on the fly. Yeah. I mean, you can choose to be really locked in on them. And I just wasn't a guy that was going to go on a flight with a bunch of meals. Right. I mean, I'll just, I'll just eat when we get to a place. Yeah. Sort it out. Um. You know, whatever, I got a good night of sleep the night before, or not. I've thrown plenty of times, really hung over. It's not great, but, eh, what are you going to do? Amazing. They're not always important competitions. Some of them are just, you know, more organized practice. Right. Yeah, it's cool hearing, because I think that, especially in, like, podcast land that I occupy, people are so dogmatically meticulous about mm-hmm. every little detail. So it is refreshing hearing somebody that, I mean, you're literally the best in the world at... At, at a thing, yeah. At a thing. <laughs> and from that perspective, you weren't, it doesn't sound like you were overly focused on what you were putting in your mouth at that time. No, no, no. It didn't matter. It was just, it was fuel and all of it was better than some. So what mattered? What was the, what was the, Yeah, you know, what I, what I looked at that mattered fuel wise was, I mean, what, or little, just in general, what mattered? Yeah. Um, what mattered was how I felt. And I knew that if I was in a surplus of calories, I could train harder and I could train harder more often. Yeah. I mean, that's the big game, right? Is like, I mean, there's no magic bullet, whether it's food or drugs or any of these other things. There's what allows me to work harder more often to create more adaptation. Hmm. And I knew that whenever I was in a surplus of calories, I could train harder and I got hurt less. So that's what I did. Right. And with that, I got fat. And it served a purpose. Yeah. And I was fat for a reason. Was there ever any kind of emotional void filling stuff that like you see a lot of times with like really wealthy people or successful in quotation people mm. where it's like they're successful from the outside, but at a deeper level, it's because they have this hole that they actually, they just can't satiate or for you, was it a pretty healthy organic process of, of getting stronger, I think it getting was better? A- I wasn't ever getting stronger. It wasn't like I needed to prove people wrong. And there wasn't a group of people in my life who said, I can't. It wasn't ever about that. I did it all for me because I like, I like the work and I like the challenge and I like the lessons that come from, from training. I really have always loved that process of it. Then the part of that process is, you know, despite my height, genetics, talent, those type of things you can't phone in getting stronger Hmm. you can't outsource it you can't buy an app you can't have someone do it for you right that's got to be your work and so mine's a little unique in the fact that i you know the 10 years i competed i trained at a gym in my garage by myself and through by myself (laughs) i did it all alone those were my successes and my failures you know uh, and I, I really liked that. I liked the lessons that came from, I hold me accountable, period. I do this because I love it. This isn't a job. This isn't a chore. I'm choosing to do this. 
you know, and then because there's deadlines, like, you know, I can, I always love the idea that maybe I'm not the biggest, the strongest or the fastest, but being outworked is a choice. So if I'm going to let you outwork me, that was a choice. So if I failed because of that, that's unacceptable. If I got beat because you're better than me, so be it. Hmm. But if I showed up and I was unprepared and you were in better shape and you were throwing further and more consistent, that was my mistake. And those were the, those were the variables that I could control that I stayed in, 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 on top of. How'd you start that process by yourself in the garage? Well, I got tired of, I just wanted to start training again. Cause I, you know, I was a shot putter discus and hammer thrower in college and I trained a long time and then got into owning a bike shop and then lost a bit of the weights, was tired of it. Uh, and eventually found my way back to it and then did a few years of powerlifting and a few years of strongman trying to find competition fire again, something to, something to push for. Yeah. And, you know, or purpose for why you would train. I, I only recently I understand just training because I like I love the day to, you know, just like training. I like sweating. I like effort. Right. You know, and that's what it's kind of boiled down to now. But at that age, at 22, 23, it was nice having a focus. You know, well, I'm training because I need to perform at this thing. And there's a deadline and that deadline's coming whether I chose to train today or not. You know, I don't get to say like, wow, we'll push it back a day because I skipped a day. So you had competition throughout that 10 years that you were, you were ongoing practicing for a competition. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. 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 Okay. It wasn't like you're honing in your skills for 10 years and then. No, 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 no. I mean, I I competed for 10 years. And you started right from the, right from the get go. You started competing. Yeah, absolutely. Get on platform, man. Get on there. I mean, why? Right. That's something people ask you know like well is there you know is there a minimum strength or where do you think i need to be strength wise before i compete i'm like just go compete yeah if i can get beat yeah be a kook right like you're only allowed to be a kook in a sport for so long (laughs) so go enjoy it suck at this (laughs) like it's 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 okay to suck at it you got nowhere to go but up right and like people think that there's this this line that like well if i can't this minimum threshold of entry right that like if i can't do that i shouldn't i shouldn't compete in it and like oh horse shit yeah now go figure out if this is actually something you like competing in and then invest the time yeah and i loved competing in the highland games from the the first one i ever did i mean i maybe got a hold of some implements and did like two sessions throwing before i did it but it all came naturally as a thrower uh in college um but I loved it. Yeah, I, I traveled and traveled on my own dime for three or four years to compete around the world to meet athletic directors, so that whenever I became a professional, I had invites to go to and stuff like that. Do you have any mantras or any kind of like affirmation or some kind of stuff like that that you kind of tell yourself upon training? Yeah, and you know that uh, the biggest mantra would be the always party thing, and that's that's <laughs> one that's come from. You know, with, with the brand and uh, other stuff like that with Hate Brand, you know, kind of our you know, simple mantra is the spread hate, always party. And uh, the always party bit was always, like, now's the fucking time. Right. Like, this is why we trained. We trained so that we can put this two seconds together. You're ready for it. Yeah. Like, don't fucking panic. Don't get overwhelmed. Don't let that anxiety kill you. That anxiety is why we're here. That butterfly is that extra drip of adrenaline now's the time to fucking party this is what we trained for Mm. 
you know, that was the always party thing is what, what always was in my head. You know, I remember I've always liked being a competitor and I liked the confidence that came from knowing I could get the job done when it counted. And so if it was, if it's me versus you and we're both very close and you've taken your third throw and I've got one left, you're in trouble. Yeah. I'll beat you. Very rarely lost in that moment. Right. And that's a cool confidence that I get to bring through the rest of my life. Yeah. That I know that I'll perform when I have to perform. I'll perform hungry. I'll perform tired. I'll perform. I can get the job done in the moment. Yeah. And then sort out the details on the back end if I have to. I was listening to somebody they were talking with uh, Floyd Mayweather. And, yeah. And Floyd in- invited him back into his dressing room or locker room or whatever before like some huge fight. And the guy's back there and he's like, Floyd's watching this basketball game and he's hanging out bullshit and just like totally casual chill. And the fellow that was in the, in the room there, he's, he kind of was very sensitive. He's like, all right, I'm going to let you get back to your thing. Like, you know, you can go and, and, and Floyd finally is like, dude, if I'm not ready right now, I'm not, I'm not ready. ready." Right. (laughs) That's That's exactly right. man. And that, that comes from training and building confidence in yourself and those, those reps that you took to get there. And then having the confidence in, in the work that you've done. Um, yeah, that was, a, that was a big part of it for me, was, was knowing that and being a gamer, that I could get it done when it counts. Um, yeah, the, the Floyd, you know, guys like that, man, and that was, that's me. And, and with Highland Games, so we're, you know, we're doing nine events over the course of a day or two days. So we're out in the field essentially from usually 8 a.m. till five cool and so it's spread out and like you can't stay keyed up for that amount of time yeah it's a different right so different like thing like music or any of those other things don't fucking matter to me i don't care i can turn it on and i can turn it off i need three seconds and mm-hmm. i can fully focus in and get there and then i can turn it right back off and go back to telling a dick joke with you <laughs> And if if I'm throwing and I'm throwing well, in between throws I'm laughing and telling jokes, I'm I am as good as I'm gonna be. Right. That's as comfortable as I am. That's that's where I'm dangerous. Huh. I'm not that dude that has to be over in the corner focused. Man, man, I keep the focus more focused for a shorter period of time. Yeah. How about coming to the realization that your knee is becoming Done. a real pain in the ass? Yeah. Yeah. Um. It got there slowly. Like, I mean, so I did, you know, the 10 years of competing without an ACL and then eventually the, the little bit of string on the shitty sweater that started getting pulled was a tore meniscus. And I was like, all right, cool. We'll fix it. So right. I did a meniscectomy and then I finished that season and it was fading. Like I couldn't, I couldn't drive hard enough to get the hip through. So I couldn't push through the ground long enough to get the hip through to lead the shoulder. So I'm going to the shoulder early. And throws feel bad when you do that. Like you just don't feel like it's lining up and it's going the way it's supposed to. It's bad leverage. It's bad mechanics. And I couldn't stomach that feeling anymore. That bad mechanics of like, none of the stuff we throw is heavy. We throw a 16-pound stone or a 22-pound stone and we throw a 56-pound weight. In the scheme of things, as people who lift, like a 50-pound dumbbell is not fucking heavy for a guy that goes to the gym, right? Right. So none of these things were, were quote-unquote heavy. But it's trying to figure out how to apply you know, a 700-pound squat to a thing that weighs 56 pounds. Or how do I put power from a 400-pound clean into a 56-pound item? 
And that's because I can create leverage and I can be in the right body position to push through my feet that transfers to my hands. And as soon as that chain's broken, it doesn't work. You know, the hip can lead or push, and if it's not pushing into a thing, it doesn't matter. So you need the whole thing to work. So after that, kind of fighting through that final season of it in 2016, it was, all right, cool, let's fix the knee, go in and make with my surgeon. He's like, all right, we'll do the, we'll do an ACL, we'll do this meniscectomy, and we'll do this uh, oats procedure to fix the shitty cartilage that you've got on the inside of your knee and the outside of your knee. And so we did that, and the oats procedure didn't heal very well. Uh, and then we went back in because I had a big piece of floating debris uh, at the top of my knee that I could feel and move with my hand and get it out of the way, which isn't ideal, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when we went back in for that, which was like six weeks post the first first round of surgery, this would have been like late 2016, uh, they got in, they're like, so the oats procedures look okay. Uh, the ACL is not there. Like, ah, sweet. <laughs> it's just not there. Not j- it's just gone. Body just ate it. Jesus. Just didn't give a shit. Cool. That's what I was hoping to hear. So five days after that scope, I go back in for another ACL. And go through that. And then the problem I'm having post that one is the oats procedure on the inside of my knee is really bad. It hurts. Uh, it we do an MRI and realize that about half of it healed up really, really well. Consider it's like a like a hockey puck plug, about 30 millimeters, that they drill a hole into your femur and then put this new piece of shiny, beautiful cartilage in. Whoa. And so the back of it, where it adheres to the bone, about half of it healed up really good, and then part of it didn't. And so it's less dense. And so every time I'm stepping or doing a thing, that part's flexing. Neil say felt super lame. And would get really inflamed and the body would attack it. Yeah. And so the knee would swell and it would get to the point of, it would swell bad enough that it would be a stabbing pain when I exhale. And that got really tough to deal with. And so once I kind of had that first taste of uh, being in chronic pain, I was like, we need to sort this out before we ever figured that we're doing anything else again. Right. So the goals changed completely to now... I want to function and be a guy that can walk up and down stairs, not best in the world at a thing. Yeah. And then, you know, further realization through more surgeries and fixing things and stuff like that became what new lessons does throwing have to offer me? I mean, other than getting to hang out with my friends in those relationships, I don't think throwing itself had a lot left to offer me. Um, you know, so I could take those lessons that I'd learned and start applying to different stuff with the business and different stuff with my life. Um, you know, how to try to progress as a person. And that's that's been a fun a fun change up. I'm glad that, you know, mentally I was able to say, Okay, that chapter's closed, let's go forward now. What's next? And not be a guy that has to introduce myself as you know, I won two Highland games. <laughs> Just so you know. Christ. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, my two world championships aren't going to make it on my fucking tombstone. Right. They're just a thing I did when I was in my late 20s and early 30s. You know, they're they're a cool foot in the door. Right. But you still got to be a cool enough person once you get in the door that people want to talk to you. Yeah. Because I threw rocks in a field, man. No one gives a shit about what I did. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, like I'm not on the radar. Like, Michael Jordan fucking doesn't know, you know, that I did a thing. Doesn't right. even know the sport exists. People would be more impressed if I said I was a world champion at darts because they know what darts is. 
darts is pretty yeah pretty special too yeah, if you're world champion darts it's rad big, yeah it's a big deal the so if you could go back with the knee do you think there's any pivotal moments of change that could have made it be that it, it didn't end up kind of breaking down the way that it did Sorry. yeah probably so i had acl surgery in college uh, my freshman year, I tore my ACL, got it fixed, and then came back and rehabbed and did the whole thing and competed fine for the next five years, um, next four years. And then a few years later, after I opened the bike shop, I was at a bike park and tore my ACL again, avoiding exploding some little kid on a BMX bike. You were you were doing the BMX? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, so hanging out doing that, and I uh, came down a roll-in, and some kid on a 16 inch bike little little kid just cruised out in front of me not paying attention so i threw a leg out to stop and when i threw it out it hyperextended it popped and it oh, launched me Mark. over the bars you know the kid just disappeared i'd have gone through him there just would have been like a red cloud of someone's infant right you know what i mean that kid would have died yeah and so now yeah, well right so i mean that if i could have not done that or or if when i did that been in a situation in my life that say I had health insurance and I could have fixed it. Right. But I didn't. Yeah. And so be it. What did you do instead? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> not Good. a fucking thing. Good. Just let it sort itself out. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, that's sore for a while. It's gone. Yeah. I knew it was gone. Uh, yeah. And so it just stuck to riding bikes and doing stuff like that where I could pedal. Yeah. Know, I knew that like jumping is probably not ideal. Right. And then eventually the leg got strong enough. And uh, that's really why I got out of strongman. Uh, strong man would kill me, uh, just doing like heavy farmer's carries or a heavy yoke. The single leg support would just get trashed. And like, I remember doing a contest. The last one I did, my brother was there and we're competing. I think we've got like a seven, a 780 or 800 pound yoke or something like that for 50 feet. And I'm doing it. And he's like, what do you stop? And just telling me to stop. And I'm like, what the fuck, man? He's like, you're limping with it. And I'm like, oh, that's probably not good. Yeah. You know, and then farmer's carries, you know, the same way. I mean, the last farmer's carry I remember doing, it's like a 330 or 340 per hand. And I'm limping. And then I remember trying to do lighter ones faster, yeah. and it would hyperextend and slip, and then that would cost me a week or two weeks of training. Wow. Because everything would get pissed. And so throwing worked great. I was very, very good at spinning and turning and throwing and, and all those things because nothing was heavy, and I knew the direction I was going. If you asked me to like play pickup basketball and adjust and react and move left or move right, I can't. Right. I'll just collapse and look like a sniper took me out. Yeah. You mentioned some of the lessons that you learned through picking heavy stuff up, translating into business. Is there anything that stands out in, in that? Yeah. You know, it's never that day, right? It's never the pick up the stone was the day that changed everything. It's the 10 years leading up to why you're allowed to pick up the stone. That's it. You yeah. know, like I think about, you know, I was talking to my wife this morning. You know, and being out here and being in Venice and this trip and meeting the people that, you know, I came out here with only the intention really of doing the editing with my guys. That was the goal of the trip. And then these other things have fallen in place, podcasting with you, podcasting with Connor, interview that I did with the other the other folks from my podcast, and then the podcast I'm going to be on tomorrow, and then meeting people at this different gym, and then I talked to these people and like, like all those things, right? Like those are all things that happen because the momentum right now is good and the momentum's going and I don't want to come off the gas pedal. Right. But none of the things that happen on this trip directly reflect progress 
in my business in a way that I can measure yeah. for maybe a year. But if I don't do these things, that change doesn't happen down the road. And so it, it's staying on top of it the whole way across so that it's always moving here. Right. Right. And so you can't just show up to do a lot of those tests or stone liftings. I mean, those are a moment that are the, you know, the, the accumulation of what you've done in the time before it. Hmm. And that's what work is. I mean, with business and stuff growing the way it has, there's never been this like, like a boom or a moment where we were like, Oh shit, that spiked and it was overnight. It changed. It's just slow, steady growth the whole way, the same way my squat got stronger. Right. Just yeah. keep fucking doing the work, man. Wanted to take a quick break and thank our sponsor, Organifi, for supporting the show. Organifi is a rad company. I utilize their superfood blends on a daily basis. Um, holding in my hands the green juice right now, filled with all the green powders your little heart could desire, from uh, wheatgrass to spirulina to chlorella to matcha. Really excellent stuff. Highly recommend checking them out. They also do protein blends that are vegan, as far as I can see. So the protein they're using in here is pea protein, quinoa protein, and pumpkin seed protein. Everything's organic. Everything's delicious. Highly recommend checking them out. So go Organifi, O-R-G-A. NIFI.com and utilize the align code for 20% off. Organifi.com align code, A L I G N, 20% off. Get that stuff. Thank you guys so much for tuning in back to the show. Pow. Yeah, I've heard that from uh, Phelps's coach, Phelps, the swimmer fella. And they were talking about this is paraphrased, not fella. this week, you know, yeah. the swimmer fella. Uh, but yeah, similar thing. It was like, how do you get all these medals? It's like, because we don't, we don't give a shit about the medals. Right. You know, it's just, seeking that perfection on a momentary basis you know it's something that i think that meditation is something that i've found with this where or even like a gratitude journal or some of the kind of like the softer mm -hmm. softer things where it's like when you first do it it just feels stupid yeah, right <laughs> yeah you know it can get a, it can get a little woo right but like that's okay like it's it's okay to fucking feel like a kook because <laughs> There's no rules to any of this shit, man. Right. Like, there's not there's not a set there's not a set path for success. There's a ton of directions that can get you to success. And I don't have an answer to tell you how to be successful. Right. I can tell you things that'll do that are absolutely guidance to failure. We can avoid those. Which ones are those? Well, not fucking doing a thing. Right. If I would like to host this, you know, a podcast, if I want to be fucking bad at it, I'll sit in Louisiana and wait for people to show up at my house. Not getting on a plane, not choosing to be home 15 days a month, you know, not coming out to L.A. to, to meet people and hold conversations and, and be uncomfortable and do these things, right? Like meet new people and strangers and have conversations and, and stay on point and think and do those to be active. I can stay home and be fucking comfortable. But that doesn't lead to success. Hmm. So, I mean, does this equal to where eventually I'm going to go? Is this the final form? Probably not. But this gets there. Right. You know, even if it chips away at it. And you just got to keep chipping away at it. Like, it's not what you did this month. It's, you know, what did you do the last five years? You know, that matter. Yeah. What makes you uncomfortable? Hmm. 
bad energy now makes me uncomfortable. I don't do negative people anymore. I'll just leave. Yeah. Um, I, I have no problem saying no at this point in my life to things. And I have no problem realizing that somebody's not my cup of tea and that's okay. They can, they're allowed to not be my cup of tea. They can be someone else's, Mm. but I'm uncomfortable when I feel like I've done, if I'm, if I have to do a thing out of obligation and I don't want to do that anymore. Right. I don't want to be on autopilot in a place. I want to be engaged and I want to do things that are forcing me to want to be better and inspire me and grow in those. And that's why you seek out other people in similar paths. You know, I mean, you know, the group of people around here today, right? Like Aubrey, you, Connor, and, you know, John. Out of, out of this group, like, I'm a fucking meathead. You know what I mean? I'm the caveman that has sat in the garage and, and trained and broken stuff and been a power lifter and spent five hours at the gym chasing a bench press or trying to figure out how I can carry, you know, a thousand pounds on my back. But we've all gotten here and now we're all in the space. Right. And being open to that space and the energy of people to see what, what worked for them and how do you take it and apply it to you. But no one in this room was sitting around complaining about where they're at or not doing a thing. Everyone in the room is on it and they're moving and growing. You know, they're switched on and I want to be around more people like that to, to feel that energy, to, to make myself want to push and grow and do the same thing that they're doing. You know, it's just a different path that got me here. Yeah. You, I mean, you lead with kind of, uh, like the self-deprecating meathead, but you also are obviously really well read, Mm. you know? So do you have some type of, how do you invest yourself into learning? My compass, I mean, even, even whenever I was training for the Highland games and doing stuff like that, my compass never pointed one direction that long. This was the uh, strength has been the the longest that I, I just like training. And so that'll always be there. But you know, the direction that it went, it didn't consume my whole day. It wasn't like 20, you know, the 16 hours I was awake was all focused on Highland games. Like, ah, how do I get better at this? How do I, you know, right. wasn't ever figuring that out. It was being interested in movies and, and liking art and doing these other type of things and then feeling creative. So I started writing, uh, it started having a blog, you know, a blog years ago that I wrote articles for about training and, you know, always with the intention of, I want to teach you why we're doing this because the X's and O's don't matter. They really don't. Now, if you need a guide and you need a training program, awesome. Here's one. But I'm not telling you that this one's better than this one. I mean, there's shit programs out there, of course. But the program that's best for you is the one that you're willing to do four days a week for the next six months. Right. Or diet or any of that. And so that was that was those things. And in those years, whenever I was traveling to compete, I, I booked things in different ways so that I could start going and meeting people in person that I was turned on by that, that made me want to think more. And so I was very fortunate early to meet guys like, uh, like Jim Windler was a big influence and stuff like that in my, in, in training and, and through the strength world. And like those guys had different interests in me. And so 
you, you take a piece and you learn this bit and then like, oh man, you should check out this thing. This thing influenced me. Fucking listen. Yeah. And, and check it out. And, you know, be okay with the idea that it's okay that if you pick up a book that someone really loved and it's 10 chapters long and you found two chapters great and you found eight of them shit that doesn't make the two chapters not great and important. It's okay to not bother with the other eight. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't devalue the two great parts. You know, is I mean, so take what's great and don't stress out about the parts that aren't just move on. What are you reading now? Right now I'm reading plant paradox. Oh yeah. Right. Uh, that's what I'm currently reading. I'm reading, uh, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Good. Yeah. Dude, I didn't like Zen. And, I mean, I, don't, I did not like it. I, I've slowly worked my way through it for like a year. I read it when I was like 20, but yeah. I didn't finish it because yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, motorcycle, yeah. Zen, it's everything yeah, yeah, I yeah. need. Right. It's a, it, Look, it is the perfect <laughs> title of a book that I think most people have on their it shelves. It sucks you in. Where to read. Right. Um, <laughs> I've tried to read uh, Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck and then put oh, it down. Yeah. Um, Why? Why'd you put it down? I already feel that way. Oh, right, yeah. You, I'm, you I'm may not as well just write that book. Right. I'm not interested in, in reading a thing that validates how I currently feel. It didn't challenge any of the ways that I felt, or it wasn't me growing. It was just like high-fiving me. Yeah. I don't fucking need that. Yeah. That's a waste of time. I'm already those there. Are the, those are the things that are usually the most interesting for most people to read. Of course. <laughs> of course. People love fucking hearing that Everyone they're doing agrees. great, and you're right. Right. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. I want to I want to get better and think about new things and different perspectives and be challenged. Yeah. You know, be... You'll force yourself to deal with that uncomfortability of, of what's what's out there, you know. I mean, even, you know, the uncomfortability of thinking about, you know, one of, one of those deals with my wife I think about that makes me really uncomfortable, and it's, it's a thing right now that I have to sort through a lot is the idea that I'm aware that there's a finite timeline, like I said. I'm, I'm going to die. That is going to happen, guaranteed. I don't know when the X number of days that I have left runs out. Yeah. But every day is one less. And while I'm pursuing these things that I'm pursuing, I'm very happy doing it. Every day that I'm pursuing those, a lot of times it's a choice to not be around her. And this is the person that I've chose to spend, not forever with. I only have X number of days that I get to spend with her. It's not forever. Best case scenario in my relationship with my wife is one of us watches the other one die. That's best case scenario. At the end of a great life and all these life experiences that we get together, one of us watches the other one lose their best friend. That that's it. That's that's where it goes. And you know it going into it. It's like fucking getting a dog. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to outlive this thing and it's going to fucking suck. But that's no reason to not have a dog. Because the years of it are awesome. Right. And so there's a little bit of a conundrum in my head of I want her with me on all these things because I'm experiencing these cool things and I'm learning a lot and I'm growing fast and I want her as well. But this isn't her passion and this isn't her life and this isn't, she didn't sign up to be my fucking assistant. You know what I mean? So it, it's, it's taken some time to grasp that it's easy if you can't afford the other person to be part of what you're doing, but she likes the job she's got. What is what is her she's passion? She's an esthetician, so skincare. Is that, is that her passion? Them. Yeah, man, she's into it. She was a paralegal for 
12 years and you know fortunately we got to a point financially where we kind of made a decision of like we're doing fine and this was you know before I was doing my own thing you know uh we're doing fine so there's no reason that you have a job that doesn't pay very well and you hate it right so what do you want to do and that's where she wanted to go she learned a craft and has loved it loves getting to work loves contributing loves helping people figure things out and so it's cool getting to do that it's cool that you can kind of realize that she she's supposed to have her own life and own path too that maybe i'm not in all the time does you got do you ever sense any degree of growing apart or does your growing apart make you grow closer um you know it changes man um there's definitely times uh where we're not as close and then usually we'll try to sit down and actually discuss it we've been very good about being real communicate uh you know open communication with each other about like we gotta sort this out yeah you know i feel this what do we do about it and you know try to be better about when i'm home being in the moment and not always working not being on my phone not always on the gas pedal in a in that way you know being engaged in the moment and being there is is a key that when i'm actually there i'm fucking there you know, this isn't just a waiting place for me to be at for a second before I go do a thing. And so then, you know, being in a spot that we get to go and travel and do things when it's right for both of us to go. She doesn't have to do any of it, so everything's a choice. So that part's cool. But yeah, I mean, we've been together 11 years. I mean, there's there's ups and downs and changes and and where the direction wants to go, you know, with the weird feelings of getting older and deciding kids or no kids or how it plays out. Like all those things are, are different and stresses and sometimes you're not both your needles point in the same direction. All right. What about creating space to have a conversation about where you're at? Is that, what does that look like? I, I don't, I don't uh, have much of a filter. So if I'm doing <laughs> a thing, I just say it. Perfect. <laughs> I'm all, I don't mind awkward. Uh, the only problem I have with that for her is I operate very, very quick and I can sort through my head and figure out why I feel a way, usually because I've already been thinking about it. You know, like, well, why am I anxious? Instead of figuring, you know, just saying I'm anxious. Mm-hmm. So what has sorted this out? Can I fix the problem to stop feeling anxious about it? Yeah. And so if I if I bring something up, like, you know, where, you know, I just, we're in a, you know, if we're in a space where we currently feel more like roommates than we are husband and wife, right. which happens, you know, that I'm just now rooming with my best friend who happens to be female, you know, some of the passion's gone or the fire's out. How do we fix it? Yeah. What do we fix? And so having that conversation and she's a person that needs longer to digest it and think about it. Whereas I can, how do we fix it? Dude, I think that's different for every relationship. I think, I think, Conversation and communication are, are fucking first and foremost. Um, but but everything's work and everything's a choice. I mean, you know, passion and fire, it sure seems that for me, a lot of it comes with momentum. And it's really easy to lose that momentum and then realize because we're busy or we're tired or this and that. And we didn't make time for it that, you know, something happens. We're like, oh, shit, we haven't had sex in a month. But, oh, I didn't realize we haven't had sex in a month. We just haven't. Because by the time we both get to bed, we're fucking tired. Right. Or, 
or we are having sex, but the sex is, it's maintenance. Do you know what I mean? Right. It's like, we both Check. just need to fucking <laughs> get off and move on. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then you know, the, the trick is trying to find that fire and passion and still like flirt with the person that you've been with for 11 years to, to keep the fire stoked instead of just like, well, it's 8 PM. We could have sex now. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not any fun. Yeah. Should probably sort it out before 8 30 because right, yeah, we, then we can get to sleep. I got to get up at six and like, <laughs> uh, 15 more minutes is not worth staying awake. Right. 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 And so it's, it's a weird spot to try to keep a focus of, a. Not that you, you you can or get to have sex with the other person, but keeping the drive and fire of wanting to fuck the other person. Mm-hmm. That part's tricky. And it comes with life and time and anything, but if it's a priority, you make a priority of it. And it becomes something you've got to get better at. And, and be willing to understand that moods change and people change and a lot of different stuff, uh, you know, even hormonally, you know, there was a, there was a bit where we'd gone through after trying to get pregnant and stuff like that, where we, you know, she just wasn't interested. And this is something as a male, just never quite, it wasn't, it, it wasn't like the interest, like, no, I'm grossed out by it. Not interested. It was just didn't care whether we have sex or not. That's okay. I mean, we can do it, but okay. You know, and, uh, I had a stretch where I'd come off of, uh, testosterone replacement came off a TRT or came off test and about six weeks after when everything kind of finally crashed and hormones are a little out of whack I had a three-week period where my libido just didn't exist and that was very eye-opening to me I'm like oh that's how you feel like it's not a choice like I couldn't fucking fake it I couldn't turn it on and pretend to give a shit. I just didn't fucking care. And, but that's a thing you can sort out. If you realize there's a problem, I mean, we have supplements and we have different dietary changes and things that you can do that sort those things out. And then that's back on point. Mm. So, you know, some of it's that. And some of it's willing that there could be imbalances and hormones or your dietary change or supplement-wise where you're at. But, you know, all those are different different places, man, that you've got to sort out for you and yours. Right. You know, I don't know that there's a, a right and a wrong way to do things relationship-wise. Yeah. I, mean, I think as long as you respect the person you're with and you're open and honest with them, then good on you. What do you do with your nighttime? And we'll wrap up pretty soon. But uh, what do you do with your nighttime experiences? You mentioned, do you talk about, like, cannabis and things yeah. of that nature? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, what does that look like for you? For me, like I said, like it's a, you know, a big part of it is by the end of the day, if I've trained and I've been on my feet a lot, my knees achy and I'm tired and, uh, you know, I'm on, I'm already doing the right things as far as a anti-inflammatory style diet. So I'm doing the best I can there. Then, you know, CBD stuff and THC seems to help me downregulate to sleep harder, to shut my brain off. So at a certain time of night, I usually, uh, with dinner, I'll usually have a 10 milligram or so edible. And then that takes about an hour to roll in. You like the edible over, yeah, yeah, over yeah, yeah. vapor, smoke, any of that yeah, stuff? Yeah, well, I, I like both. Edible is more of a body high. Yes. 
and that's like, where I need it. Yeah, you go and like it feels like you're like just. Yep, I want to melt. Sizzling in there. I just want to melt into the into my bed. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm an indica guy, not sativa. I don't need any problem keying up. Yeah. I'm already wired, and I drink a shit ton of caffeine and coffee, so. Yeah. I like drugs on both ends for up and down, apparently. <laughs> you know. Right. Um, but yeah, it's it's that down regulation that helps me slow down and let the brain go through the process of shutting the system down to relax, to sleep harder, especially post being in the cold, like all of it, right? It's all the different pieces that add up. It's not just right. cannabis and THC. Mm-hmm. It's not just that that's doing it. You know, I can't eat shit food, work out really hard, not take care of the machine and then get high and think that's going to fucking fix it. Which is the stereotype that most most of the world thinks of when they think the word cannabis. Yeah, of course, right? And they're, the fucking world's wrong on a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> the world as a whole likes Nickelback. Right. You know what I mean? So, That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, Nickelback's made a shit ton of money. Like, there's a lot of fucking people that like Nickelback music. I'm not mad that Nickelback is successful. I'm just bummed out there's a market for it. Right. So I wish people were smarter and had better taste. Yeah. But... Uh, that's that's them and i don't much give a fuck what their opinion is on how this works i'm concerned with does this work for me and if it does cool yeah i don't need it to work for you yeah you know i hope you find out your own thing do you see that throughout the strongman world or people using pot no really no i think i think it's becoming more available and more in it but the world that world gets really weird too because it's still you know, it's still so weird with drugs that it's not open with the drug side of stuff in general, whether that's steroids or anything else. Is it so, a, it's a performance enhancing drug pot, right? Or, I mean, they can say, is that, yeah, you get the Olympics or any of that would for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it would be considered performance enhancing and which is so stupid. Yeah. And you know, as, as an athlete that competed, I, I really didn't get into smoking pot until after I was hurt. So, I mean, we got tested as Highland games guys. I mean, I got tested probably five or six times a year, drug tested. Yeah. And, you know, was never on testosterone when I competed. I mean, the way I felt about it, I never had a moral issue against any of it. It was, I signed up to participate in this, and you said these were the rules. Cool. I will follow said rules. Um, you know, the, the Highland Games didn't approach me with, oh, Matt, we need you to do this, and we'll bend to whatever helps you be part of our thing. I chose to do this. I'll play by the rules, right? And so when I was done competing in it, there wasn't a reason to not do things like fix having low test or <laughs> why can't I experiment with some other things besides fucking Percocet? Exactly. And so, I mean, I went through and <laughs> took a lot of Percocet for a while and I don't like it. I never liked it, but I still needed something for when the pain got to that eight or a nine. I got to be able to stop it. Mm. And that's what it's for. They didn't give me any options for when pain was just a two all day. I don't need a fucking Percocet for that. There's got to be a middle ground, right? Yeah. And that's where cannabis and CBD stuff has done me really, really well. Or ice baths or compression boots you know, or, you know, having a, you know, a e-stim unit or a muscle stim unit uh, run to flush, flush an area to get inflammation out. You know, what what's causing the actual pain 
and then figure out how to address that issue instead of taking a thing to not feel pain. Right. So I think, you know, and that's kind of the, <laughs> the long short of like everything I'm trying to do. I'm trying to figure out the, the why and learn how to fish instead of just have you give me fish. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. Let's wrap this bitch up. Sure. That's really fun. I appreciate it. I'd, I'd love, love to, uh, love to do it again next time you're yeah next time i'm out for sure we're recording you can uh, be on mine as well i'm sure i've got a ton of questions cool (laughs) how do people what is yours how do people find you Uh, my podcast is um so cool uh kind of just talk about whatever whatever comes up doesn't have much of a direction yeah i listened to the one with interesting with connor i really enjoyed it thanks man yeah it's awesome um um so podcast uh my apparel brand is hate brand goods uh spelled h-v-i-i-i like a roman numeral eight uh, my Instagram is I hate Matt Vincent, and then uh, the brand is Hate Brand Goods on Instagram. Uh, where else is important? I don't know. I don't think anything else is important. Yeah, I think you're pretty pretty well populated in the interwebs. You just type your name, it'll, it'll all yeah. Googling la- Matt Vincent la- land you there. It. Yeah, yeah. I am. I think I'm currently the most popular Matt Vincent. So got that going on. <laughs> That's all that matters. <laughs> yeah, dude. That have a brand that you spell funny, it just automatically yeah. works in the yeah, yeah, works, SEO system. Works so. out great, yeah. I'm not trying to sell widgets or headphones. Exactly. Maybe one day. Yeah, maybe. Coming soon. It, that's though. what this is. That's what this is all. We're, this is all we're the preparing long towards. This is the so long game, yeah. Selling widgets and headphones. Fuck yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank you, man. Let's, uh, I got to take a piss, and you're going to go pick up heavy stuff. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> thank you, Later, man. man. Cheers. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. That's yep. really good. Align Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning into that conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. There's some ways that you can support this podcast, one of which you can pick up an Align Band, which is a heavy-duty resistance band. comes along with a door anchor and a carrying case and a video guide on how to mobilize those joints and integrate that body of yours. Really great stuff. You can be found at AlignTherapy.com and also on Amazon.com. Um, thank you also so much for or utilizing the Amazon affiliate link on the right-hand sidebar of the podcast page. Bookmark that thing. Anytime you purchase some crap on Amazon, purchase that crap. Through that link, we get a percentage of it. costs you nothing. And I think that's enough. Thank you guys so much for reviews on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Pow.